If you have your Bibles or electronic devices and you'd like, you'd like to follow along, uh, then you can either turn to, if you're old school, click to. Uh, if you're like high tech and you have a, a phone or a tablet or something like that, uh, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 8 is where we are tonight, uh, if, if I can find it. <laughs> there we go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And so we're in this series called Happiness is a Serious Problem. And we've been looking at this issue of, of happiness, and we've taken the, the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes, many of you know by now, um, the Beatitudes are like the preamble or the intro to the, the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount was the first sermon that Jesus preached about, um, about how, to, how to live the Christian life and, and how to flesh out uh, the Christian life. And then the Beatitudes was like the intro to it. And every one of them, it's a statement, and every one of them starts with the word bless, which, which when you look at the Greek means happy or means content or, or fulfilled or, or one of those words. And so anyway, Jesus is talking about this issue of happiness. And Jesus is talking about what it means to be happy in the kingdom of God. And so we've been taking a beatitude every week and just opening up the scriptures and allowing the scriptures to speak. And, and so tonight, I'm going to do like I've done many other times, is use another area of scripture uh, to, as a commentary on, on this beatitude. Because I believe the greatest commentary of scripture is scripture itself. And so that's why a lot of times in preaching that I'll go and I'll walk through another passage to give us some context and some understanding of, of what Jesus was communicating here. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, the beatitude just simply says this, and it's conditional promise. And so when you look at Scripture, there's, there's unconditional promises and there's conditional promises. Well, this is a conditional promise. And so that's what it, this is what it says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, uh, for, they, for they will see God. And so to, the title of tonight's message is this, is happiness is an inside job. And so happiness is an inside job. It starts, it starts inside of each one of us. And, and we're going to talk about some kingdom of God principles. And we're going to look at Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14 to help, un, to help us understand what it means about this issue of happiness and that happiness is an inside job, that it, that it starts with us. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus said, blessed are the, the pure in heart, for, for they, will, they will see God. So Jesus starts talking about the heart, but he also talks about this issue, issue of vision. Now listen, I don't, I don't know if you've ever had a challenge with, with vision to where vision was like difficult for you. I still remember when I was like in the third grade and all of a sudden my teacher asked me to take a note home to my mom and I honestly thought I was in trouble. And so I take this note home to my mom and the note just simply said this, I think, I need, I think you need to take Charlie to the eye doctor that he's having trouble like seeing the board and he's having trouble reading. And I think it's a result of, of poor vision. And so I went, I went to the eye doctor. It was my first trip of many. And so I went to the eye doctor in the third grade and sure enough, I needed glasses. I, I, got, I got a pair of glasses and that that was back in the days when there was no such thing as cool glasses. I mean, you, I mean, it was horrible, right? It's like, it's like they just wanted, they wanted everybody to know that you could not see. And so, and so it was like two pair of glasses to choose from. It was a black frame, you know, the big black frames are the, like the, like the, I guess the cool version was the brown that went to like clear on the bottom, that one. So I got that one. And so I, I still remember the very first time I put on glasses and I looked outside, I, I did not know that you could actually actually see the, the, the blades of grass. 
And I mean, it's amazing. I remember as a kid in the third grade just staring at grass. Like, I can see grass, and, and I could see the outline of the different leaves in a tree. I'd never been able to see that before. It was, always, it was always a blur. It was always a blob. It was like a green blob or a brown blob or something like that, but I could never, ever really see it clearly. And so I remember growing up wearing glasses and, and not wearing glasses and needing a pair of glasses to see the alarm clock and needing a pair of glasses to read, and then what happens when you don't have glasses because it, it can cause stress and it can cause problems. There was a time here a while back we were on vacation and we were staying in a complex of like uh, like condos near the beach and the, the airlines had like lost our luggage and so they told us no worries we'll, we'll find it and we'll have it delivered like to your condo and so it was, it was like a gated and you needed a, commu a, a key or a code or whatever so they said so we'll call when we get to the front gate and so they did like three in the morning they call and they called my cell and I, I rolled out of bed and threw on some clothes and jumped in the, in the car and headed, headed down to the gate well I, I didn't have my glasses and, and it wasn't a problem getting there but I still remember that I, I got our luggage I turned around, I looked back, and the complex looked all the same. I didn't think I was going to find our room until like daybreak, till the sun comes up. And so not being able to see properly causes us stress and causes a problem. Here a while back, I, I got lazy, and, and, uh, and that like changed everything. It changed everything for me. Because I, I no longer need corrective lens, and I can see the alarm clock, and I can, I can see the television, I can see things, and I, I don't have the stress that I once did. And so what Jesus is talking about this issue, he's talking about just, as, just physically, that when you can see clearly, it, it, it helps. It helps to navigate through life, but he said in the spiritual world, it also helps when you can clearly see God, and you can clearly see God in your situation. So listen, if... if if you want a deeper spiritual life, and if you want to be able to see God in the midst of your circumstances, because what he's talking about, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, it's not that you're going to physically be able to see God. It's this, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, the spiritually mature, however you want to phrase that, because they will be able to see God in their circumstances, see God in their situations. See God in their difficulty. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Why? Because I see, I, I, I'm aware. I am aware that you are with us. This is, see, this is what this verse is talking about. And so when you look at the word heart, blessed are the pure in heart, the heart's in, in Scripture, in the, in the New Testament, describes three different things. Your mind, your emotions, your will, your actions. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, here's what the Scripture says. It says, for they... For they knew God. They did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their, their senseless hearts were darkened. And then it even goes farther. So he's talking about their heart. He's talking about how they think. He describes their will. That your heart is no longer not only what you think, but it's what you're, you're thinking. And then it moves your will or it moves your actions. Romans chapter 2 verse 5. Blessed uh, because of, of the hardened and unrepentant heart. You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. So the heart describes your emotions, it describes your will, it describes your actions, it describes your thinking, Romans 5.5. 5. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, uh, who was given to us. 
So the heart describes, just so we understand what the heart is, the heart describes your mind, your will, your emotions, your actions. If you, if you really and truly want to know what you believe, then you start with your actions. Because whatever you and I do is, is generally what we believe. And you, you, start, you can back up to there all the way to your beliefs. Because your beliefs drive your thinking. Your thinking drives your emotions. And your emotions drive your, your actions. And so what Jesus is talking about in, the, in, this, in, in this beatitude, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, he's just simply saying, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in their emotions and their thoughts and their will and their action, for they will, for they will see God. So they will be able to see God in their situations and to see God in their circumstances. And, and, and if you've lived enough of life, then you know there are times that it's easier to see God in your situation, circumstances, than, than some others. And so tonight, I just, I just want to give you like, I want to give you four things or four principles about this area of blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What, what are you going to see? What should you be able to see? And then, um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll close with an with a, with a illustration. And so, uh, so I'm kind of on the fence. How, don't listen to this, Eli, because it's going to break a preaching rule. But... Uh, I'm kind of on the fence of how I'm going to land this plane or end this whole deal. And so me and God are kind of in a disagreement right now, I guess. That's the only way I know to phrase that. So uh, those of you in the back, you can just follow me. I'm talking to the tech guys. But, but here we go. So here, here are the four things. So here are the four things of things that, that we will be able to see or you should be able to see. And the first thing is this, is see God's purpose. The first thing that you should be able to see, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The first thing is, is you, you should be able to see God's purpose. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16, it's a famous verse. Most of us know it. Uh, people hold the sign up like at football games and things like that. And it just simply says, for God, so, for God, for God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So we believe we believe that, that God uh, sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. He died for the whole world, not just some people, not just the elect, but he died for the whole world. That God desires for everybody to come to a saving knowledge of him, to enter into a relationship with him. And so you start beginning to be able to see that your life was created by God and he created you. He sent his son to die for you on the cross and he desires for you and I to enter into a relationship with him and that's your choice and you do that out of your free will that is a decision that you make but God desires for every one of us to end up or enter into a relationship with him uh, so, that, so that we know him and we have forgiveness of sin just like we celebrated here just a few minutes ago in, 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 um, in, with communion and during worship and so when you look at this, you realize that vision matters in life. In Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel, it's just real interesting about the context and about how they flesh this out. Because I think actually in these, in, in these chapters, Numbers chapter 13 and Numbers chapter 14, you can see these principles play out. A blessed are the pure in heart, for they will, they will, uh, for they will see God, and, and, and they'll be able to see his, his provisions, and they'll be able to see other things. And so Numbers chapter 13, the children of Israel are camped out on the edge of the, of the promised land, and God has already promised them. I mean, he's already promised them the land. 
He's already given them the land. He's given them the whole place. And, and there's, like, there's, like, there's like just a, a few strings attached. They, they've got to trust him, and they've got to walk in faith, and they've got to go in and, and get it. And there's, there's giants. There's giants in the land. Have you ever wondered why there's giants in your promised land? Have you ever wondered why there were giants in their promised land? The reason is, is God's insurance policy that only people of faith will enter the promised land. That it takes faith. It takes faith to trust him. It, you have to be able to see his purpose. You have to be able to see some things. And so, so for God, it was his insurance plan that, guess what? Only people of faith would enter into the, the promised land. And so Moses sends in 12 spies to explore the land. And these 12 spies came back. And here's what's interesting. They all came back with different perspectives. There are basically two different perspectives. Two had one perspective, Joshua and Caleb. The other 10 had a, had a different perspective. And all 12 agreed on one thing, that the, the land was like unbelievable. And so it was just as the scriptures had told, or just as God had told them, or just as Moses had told them. So they all agreed on that. They also agreed that there were Canaanites in the land. There were, there were, there were giants in the land. And they were strong and they were intimidating. And so when, when the people heard this news, that all of a sudden they got concerned with the negative report. And so Caleb, Caleb, one of the two, one of the two that believed God's plan and, and, and purposes and wanted to trust God, he, he stepped up and tried to quiet like their fears or their concerns. In Numbers chapter 13, uh, verse 30, it says, Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, Let's go up now, take possession of the land, because we can certainly conquer it. So jo Joshua and Caleb understood that, guess what? God had promised them the land. God had a plan and that they could trust him. But the, the other 10, the other 10, they, they had a different perspective. And so Numbers chapter 13, verse 31, he says, But then the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they're stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites. Why is it? Why is it? What is it about human nature that we believe the negative reports over the positive reports? Why is it a lot of times in news we believe the negative stuff about people? We believe the negative stuff about a situation? We believe the negative stuff about our future? We believe the negative stuff that's going on? Why is it so hard sometimes for us to believe the positive? And they were the same way. And so the scripture says, he says, so they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land was, was passed through uh, to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak uh, came from Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. And watch this. And we must have seemed the same to them. It is a dangerous thing for you and I to get caught up in the trap that we believe we know what somebody else is thinking. We, we, we know what you're thinking about me. Or we know what you're thinking about us. We, we already know what you're thinking. We, it, it, is a, it is a dangerous thing, and you see this here. Because you look at this group of people, and they saw themselves incorrectly. God never referred to them as grasshoppers, right? God never saw them as grasshoppers. But here's the interesting thing. They're the ones that came up with that word, right? And they said, you know what? We seem like, we seem like grasshoppers, and they believe, guess what? The enemy sees us the same. 
The enemy sees us as grasshoppers too, and as a result of that, they know they can take us. And They had no clue if that's the way the enemy saw them, right? The enemy could have been intimidated by them and said, you know what, we're a little bit scared of them. Yes, they're smaller than us, but we know that God's with them. And they saw themselves. Listen, the way there's something about the wilderness. There's something about difficulty will bring out these things in your life. The way that you see yourself and the way that I see myself is critical. If we have a poor self-image or poor self-esteem, then we will believe, guess what, that's how people see me. Not very attractive, not very smart, not a hard worker, not very good at anything. It is, a, it, is a, it is a dangerous thing to adopt the perspective of the enemy, to adopt the perspective of the person that's trying to destroy you. See, this is what's happening. This is what's happening in the story. They're going in, and all of a sudden, they're getting discouraged because they're, they're, they're adopting the perspective of the enemy. And it doesn't, listen, I'm telling you, we just worship to this. It was just a, such a great song that he is greater, right? That he is greater. And what a wonderful prayer that was prayed. We are, we are greater. And we're just greater. And it, it doesn't matter. Listen for you and I. It doesn't matter how the enemy sees you. It doesn't matter how people criticize you. Guess what? It matters how God sees you. And it matters what God says about you. See, this is what's happening to this group of people. And I believe in the times in which we live, Christians are giving in to this. And they don't understand that it doesn't matter how the world sees you. It doesn't matter what the world says about you. You know what matters? What matters is, is what God says about you. And what matters is, this is what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because they will, they will see God. And they will see God in these situations. See, that's why Joshua and Caleb, they're like heroes of mine. Because they go in, they were outnumbered, right? They were the minority. They were outnumbered. It was, the vote was, we'll look at this later, but the vote was 10, uh, two, to, 2 to 10. Yeah, that's 12, right? Right. Okay. I'm a pastor, not a mathematician. And so, uh, <laughs> so, so they, were, they were outnumbered. So listen, don't do the enemy's work for him. If you want to have spiritual perspective in your life, to be able to see him in your life, it starts with seeing God. Blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They will see God in their circumstances. They will see God in their life. They will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and they will be grateful for it. Here's the second principle is this. They'll be able to see God's provisions. They'll be able to see God's provision. See, this is what keeps a lot of people from like, like giving and tithing is because they don't understand this. And so they don't understand God's provisions and how God provides. And God provides for every one of our needs. And so the, the 12 spies agreed on nearly everything. They agreed that the land was a treasure, and the, and the, but the opposition was large. And the two men, Joshua and Caleb, parted company with the others. Why? Because of, because of their perspective. And the other ten had a, had a, had a different perspective. And, and Joshua and Caleb, when you just read this text, you realize 
Joshua and Caleb had God's perspective. They understood God's plan. They understood God's provisions, and they were able to see God's provisions. They, they understood, and you'll, you'll see it. It just flesh out in the text to where they understood that, guess what? We're going to go in. We're going to trust God, and God, God guess what, is going is to provide for us. And they realize, see, Joshua, Joshua and Caleb realize that their ability to win or lose had nothing to do with their opponent. It had everything to do with God. And that as long as God, right, as long as God is for us, who can be against us? And so, so they understood it it, 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 all, it all was on God. And so Numbers chapter 14, verse 6 and 9, we'll, just, we'll, we'll skip down, and here's what it said. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, um, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who scouted out the land, tore their clothes. So all of a sudden, that was just a sign of tearing their clothes, of deep mourning or grieving, like, I cannot believe you're about ready to make this decision. I cannot believe that you're going to make this decision. And, and said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is extremely good land. Watch this. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they will see God, and they will see God's provisions. And, and so, I mean, they're making a stand. A land flowing with milk and honey, and gave, he gave it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. For we will devour them. The protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. That phrase, the Lord is with us, you know what that is? That is worship language. They are worshiping at this point. That is worship language. They are reminding, you know what we do a lot of times in worship? We're reminding ourselves that, guess what? God is greater. And God is greater than our enemy. And God is greater than our difficulties. And God is greater than our circumstances. And we are reminding ourselves of who God, that's what worship is. That's what happens. I don't know if it happens in, 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 in like your heart or your spirit, that when you're worshiping, all of a sudden it's like, like your faith is, 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 is bigger because all of a sudden you have a bigger perspective of, of, of God. See, that's what Jesus is talking to. Blessed are the pure in heart. Just blessed are the pure in heart. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your actions, for they, for they will see God. And so when you look at this, what great faith and what great courage they're not just dealing with the enemies in the land. <laughs> They're standing their ground. They're the odd men out. They don't have the popular, politically correct response in this situation. And they are standing their ground. And this is an, this is an angry mob. And don't forget, because see, I, I, think that's, I think that's the most difficult thing. It's one thing to stand your ground with like strangers or, or someone that you don't have a close relationship. But it's a different thing, right? And you know this. It's a different thing to stand your ground and have a biblical perspective with people that you love and people that you care about and people that you would consider friends, right? Because you could lose friends over it. Fact is, you can read this story for the, yourself. Later on, God has to stop this, this mob from stoning them and, like, killing them. This is how angry this is, this is, they were. This is what's happening. And so sometimes in life, having the correct perspective or the, or the God perspective in the situation, I promise you, will never be a big crowd pleaser, but it will always be a God pleaser. 
God will always be pleased when we stand on his word. And God will always be pleased when we say, you know what, all I can do is just stand on his word and apply it to this situation, not in a mean way, not in a hurtful way, not in a vindictive way, but I can stand on his word and I can trust him. And it may not be a crowd pleaser, but I can promise you this, it will be a a God pleaser. And that's what he's talking about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, because you're going to see God. And you're going to see God's plan, and you're going to see God's provision. And, and well, that leads us to the third one, and you're going to see God's plan. Deuteronomy 129 and, and 31, and, and th- this, is, this is talking about, this is, just a, this is the book of Deuteronomy, but it's talking about this situation. Fascinating language. Look at this. So, as, so I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you. Just as you saw him do for you in Egypt. And you saw in the wilderness how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son along the way. You traveled until you reached this place. Why is it so many times we forget what God has done in the past? We hit a new crisis. We hit a new wilderness. We hit a new new difficulty in life. And all of a sudden we forget all the answers of prayer in our past. All that God has done, you know what he's doing? You know what they're doing? They're reminding them, guess what? God was faithful in the past, and God's going to be faithful in the future. Remember when he freed you from bondage in Egypt? Nobody thought that was possible. And guess what? It was possible. God did that. And remember the wilderness when God, God was willing in the wilderness to carry you as, as a father carries a son. A lot of times in worship and a lot of times going through difficulty, I'm telling you, we can gain strength by remembering back. When God took care of us, when God God took care of that financial issue, God took care of that relational issue, God took care of that health issue, God took care of that situation in your life that you thought, you know what, there's no way I'm going to get out of this. There's no way I'm going to get through this. And yet, yet you did. That you did. Listen, everything, I'm just telling you, everything that you and I have been through in our past will never be wasted in the kingdom of God. Thank you for that amen. Nothing, nothing will ever be wasted in your life. The experience, listen, the experiences you and I are walking through right now are preparing us for something in the future. It's teaching us. It is teaching us, blessed are the pure in heart. For you will see God. And you will know him. And that even though you go through difficulty, even though you go through, 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 through celebration, that he is with you. Why is it so many times in like the Christian world... We only think God really is working in celebrations and in great times. When he's answering those prayers, when he's taking, when, it, when it's just like, when, when our life is like just going great. Can I tell you, when you look at scripture, God does some of his greatest work in the wilderness. And God does some of his greatest work in the dark night of the soul. When all of a sudden things do not make sense to you. And all of a sudden you understand that blessed, just blessed are the pure in heart. For they, they, will just, they, will, they will just see God. 
And they will be able to see God's plan and his provisions and in his purpose. And then the last thing is this. They're going to see God's person. They're going to see God's person. Joshua and Caleb were able to see God in the midst of, of of just their circumstances. It's not just whether they take the promised land or not. It's not just dealing with the giants in the promised land. Guess what? They they had some giants across the Jordan River, right? Because they're about ready to enter in. That they did not get to go because of the ten. But they're about ready to enter in. So there's giants there. And guess what? There's giants in their camp. And there are people, the the twelve that went over. They were buds. They, They hung out together. They were the twelve spies. They worked together. And now all of a sudden, these guys are, are standing alone. And yet, when you look at Joshua and Caleb, and you just look at the text, you realize they could see God in their circumstances. So I have a question for you tonight. It's probably the biggest question I have for you tonight. Can you see God in the circumstances that you are currently in? It's a big question. And can, you, can you see him? Can you clearly see him? Because guess what? Just like I learned, whether it was glasses or whether it was LASIK, vision matters. Being able to see matters. It matters driving a car. It matters seeing an alarm clock. It matters trying to find your condo in the middle of the night. It matters. But on a spiritual perspective, it matters. Because if not, and you can't see clearly spiritual and God in your situation and God in your circumstances, then guess what? You're going to stumble around just like a person that needs corrective lenses. We just have to get it out of our minds. That God only works in the absence of struggles, in the absence of pain, in the absence of problems, in the absence of, of just doubts. One of the heroes of, of, of the faith for me, that she's really ministered to me in, in like this season that I've, been, that, that I've been in, is a lady by the name of Elizabeth Elliot. And many of you may have, may have read from Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot uh, died in, at 88 years old in 2015. And so she married a man by the name of Jim Elliot. And Jim Elliot was a missionary, and he was called to Ecuador to an under, uh, unreached people group. Jim Elliott gets there, uh, you know, kisses his wife goodbye, goes on the mission field, gets there, and this tribe of people have never really seen a white man ever before in their life, and they were skeptical, and long story short, they kill him. Two years later, God leads Elizabeth Elliott to go to Ecuador, and for two years, she ministered to the very tribe that had put her husband to death. They tortured him and put put him to death. Something happened in this lady's life. She led the men that had taken her husband's life. She led those men to the Lord. Elizabeth Elliot would come back to the States and, and uh, she would remarry. And she was only married a short time. And her, her husband then just had a, a freak accident and he fell and he, and he died. Elizabeth Elliot knew what it was to have loss and have pain and have hurt. It led her into a Bible degree, and in those times, it just was not cool for a woman to get a Bible degree. She taught at some seminaries. She taught at some college. She's an author. She's a speaker. Towards the end of her life, and I can't remember, in 2013, 2014, uh, here's just a a quote from her. She said this, and it just resonated with me. 
It's not the experiences of our lives that change us. It is our response to those experiences. It's not the experiences of my life that change me. It's not the experiences of your life that change you. It's how we respond to them. And some may walk, walk away bitter and angry and cynical. Remember the 10? Remember the 10? They wandered around. They didn't get to go in. They wandered around. And they died horrible deaths. And they had no purpose. They just went in, in, in circles, right? Going through the same experience, the same situation over and over. It was only Joshua and Caleb that later on would get to, would get to go in. Numbers chapter 14, verse 9, again, it says, Only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them. So all of a sudden, Joshua, Caleb, they had spiritual perspective. And the Lord is with us. Again, don't be afraid of them. Joshua and Caleb understood. When you follow God, you don't go anywhere first. He goes before you. He never asks you to go anywhere first. If you go somewhere first, you may have just totally like missed him. But if you follow him, he never asks you to go anywhere first. And that, that phrase, the Lord is with us, it's just worship language. The writer of 1 John, the Apostle John, chapter 1, verse 1 and 4, it says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed, and we have seen it. And we testify and we declare to you the eternal life that was the Father and was revealed to us. And what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. God wants you to experience him. And God wants you to know him. Transformation happens when we're able to take his word, where it's just not knowledge only, and we have the wisdom and we have the understanding to apply it in our life. And that's why scripture and that's why walking with him is just so important. And so I, I led you in a little bit of it in, in communion, but it's something that I do almost almost every day. And maybe you would like to walk through this process or maybe you'd just like to take notes and, and say, you know what, I, I need to walk through that. To where you just come to a place and there's, there's just a step of, of realization and we need to stop and just see ourselves as, as we really are.
So many times with externals, we're just so busy, we never, we never just slow down. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 said, before you take a communion, you first examine yourself. You examine your life. And sometimes we have to come to the place and say, God, God just what about me? What's going on inside of me? Because guess what? Happiness is an inside job. It's just an inside job. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. God, where do I, where do I, where do I just stand with you? Listen, if, if you're always going around and you're seeing the people around you and you think they're in more need of grace than you are, you've got a problem. So much of our time in Scripture, we can start applying it to everybody else. What everybody else needs to change. So there needs to be a step of realization. And then there just needs to be a step of examination. Just, God, what do I need to change? What habits? What words? What relationships? What actions? What do I need to change? And then just a step of, of petition. You know, Psalm, Psalm 51 created me a, a clean heart. Just created me a clean heart. And then just a step of determination of God, whatever you're asking me to do, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I'm, I'm just going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stand for you. And then a step of adoration, of just worship. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. I don't know if you've ever studied spiders and and bugs and stuff like that, but uh, Karen and I, we're, we're like grandkid tired right now. Uh, we've had grandkids for, for a, a number of days, and I, I have a grandson that loves geckos and the animal channel and, you know, dinosaurs and all that stuff, and we we're having a conversation fishing, and we started talking about spiders, and he always, he always loves to impress you with his knowledge, which, is, which he does. And he says, hey, Pop-Pop, do you know this? He said, you see that spider? And I'm saying, well, he said, watch it. They always make their spider web. He said, web. He said I learned this on, the, on Discovery Plus or Animal Channel. He said, but spiders always make their web from the inside out. And that's why they're so strong. And they always repair them from the inside out. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. Blessed are the pure in heart for you will see God. You'll see God. You'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You'll see him in the midst of the circumstances. And listen, I get it, I get it, I get it. That there's times in the wilderness we have dark nights of the soul and we struggle, and, but we fight and say, God, I'm determined. I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you in my circumstance. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?